One in one, boy, does it feel good to get a number in the win column that's not zero because technically speaking, mathematically, zero has no value depending on who you talk to. And this is coming from someone who actually failed math for four straight years and now is a pretty good podcaster. But what's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. You guys know the host behind the show. My name is Jusade Culture. You can follow me on Twitter at Fireside Bears. You can follow my co-host Joseph Herf and Sam Stevenson on Twitter at Joseph Herf NFL and at Shy Sports Sam. Check out our sponsor, Audacia Sports 2, by the way. They have some really cool Justin Field stickers that you need to get because he's going to be QB1 moving forward. That time is officially here, even though the Bears haven't officially announced it. Sam's on here rocking his Jess for Horsehead jersey. Joe goes to the gym before he records, so he's like, oh, well, I need to show off my guns. Um, We're also going to be talking some really important stuff, like why Joe decided to tweet about a certain Packers tight end and not tweet about Jesper Horstead, but first, how are we doing today, Sam? How are we doing today, Joe? Uh, good. Um, felt good to win on Sunday. Of course, the the one game that Justin Fields was going to step in, I had to miss like majority of the game. Um, college athletics, gotta love them. Uh, but I did get a chance to catch the fourth quarter. Um, and, uh, you know, it felt good to win. I uh, didn't like that Joe predicted the score exactly on point, but uh, a win's a win. And, uh, you know, this early in the NFL, you know, NFL year, it's important to get as many of those wins as you can, especially for a Bears team that has a tough road ahead of them in terms of their schedule. But in terms of me, I'm good. Ready to talk Bears. Got my Horstead jersey on. Finally came. Only took like a month to get here. But uh, $20 well worth, uh, well worth spending. Was that DHgate, Sam? It was a, a language I couldn't speak. Oh, nice. Yeah, DHgate's kind of where I get my jerseys. So, yeah, yeah about those $30 cheap jerseys. But, hey. That's where I got my Mac jersey, DHgate. Oh, yeah. yeah. I got my Fields jersey from there. But also, same here, Sam, doing well. Uh, we got a victory on Sunday. That's all we can really hope for. And, yeah, like like you said, Sam, I predicted that win on Twitter. So I won a nice $25 from TickPick to use on uh, buy some concert tickets. I've never been to a concert. And I have Bears season tickets. So I don't need to buy any tickets for that. Very but, nice. uh yeah, yeah. So that was pretty cool. And then obviously the hot take, if you guys listened, that was a nice little prediction too. So it was a pretty good Sunday. Um, I've also come to realize that I do not like watching games with a ton of people that don't know football. Um, just yeah. hearing hearing the commentary from people that you're sitting with just kind of makes me want to um, cover my ears the entire game. But uh, otherwise, it was fun to watch. Uh, obviously, blowing the game was kind of tough, but I'm glad we won. It doesn't matter how you win. It doesn't matter how ugly it is. We won. Yeah, see what Herf is doing right now is like, oh my god, I did all this stuff before, like, you know, we officially decide to discuss why he as like was used to be the former president or the former vice president of the Jesper Horstead fan club. And now what happens is um, he goes and he's like, oh, yeah, let me tweet about former St. McHenry's tight end, a.k.a. Packers tight end Robert Tunney. And like, Joe, really? Even Sam was so shocked. And I could just look at Sam's face on Zoom and be like, man, Sam's really disappointed. Like, Joe, you seriously betrayed us. You, this is like broco level material right here. Broke like down. I said, in my defense, St. Mary's football legend. Robert Tunyon, he played for the same team I played for growing up. Like he, my dad coached him. He played for my high school for a year before he transferred because of 
Uh, Chris Strebler was coming in, who is the Arizona Cardinals backup quarterback, and Robert Tunyon wanted to play quarterback. So Tunyon couldn't play quarterback in my high school, obviously, because Strebler might be a little better. And obviously, I'm a huge fan. He's from the town over. So to see him do well makes me very happy, just like uh, when C.J. Fedorowicz was in the NFL. made me happy to see him do well. Um, and Jesper Horsett is the next Robert Tunyon, so I don't know why there can be any hate. That's all. I mean, I just, you know, you go on Twitter after a long day, you notice you have a couple notifications, and you look and, and you see who you thought was your 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 brother-in-arms at the Jesper Horsted fan club tweeting about not any tight end, but a Packers tight end. And that, uh, that was, uh, that was pretty heartbreaking, but, uh, Hey, you know what, in your defense, at least you didn't say we should cut him. Uh, that screenshot will lift. Yeah. Facts. Somebody, um, but definitely a heartbreaking tweet. We will recover. We will get over it, but, uh, it will be a healing process for sure. Um, (laughs) I mean, I will will never stop tweeting about Robert Tony, by the way. So he is, Hometown boy, you cannot cheer for him. Just before it says just going to be better than him. You can't, you can't cheer for him when he plays the Bears. Don't cheer Obviously, for him. obviously. Any other game, it still hurts. But, but if was, anybody's to score against the Bears, I'm hoping it's him because I'd rather not see Aaron Jones score or Devontae Adams. I hope nobody well, scores against the Bears. I also hope that. But if anybody were to score, I'd hope it'd be Robert Tunyon catching a pass from anybody not named Aaron Rodgers. That'd be kind of cool. I hope he gets traded as CFL. Yeah, See, kinda- I look, I had a perfectly good reason for saying cut Jess for Horsehead because nope. the two nope. times he deserved nope. to be cut, he you said in a totally- preseason game. So it doesn't matter. You said in a preseason game where he got tackled. So what's your point? The reason the reason you tweeted it was because he got tackled after catching a pass. You're like, you know what? I don't like you got tackled. We need to cut him. I mean, wasn't that the Bills game? Would you stop it, Stevenson? <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, that was, I'm pretty sure, the preseason game where, like, Mitch Trubisky came in as a member of the Bills and, like, completely just lit the Bears up, which makes me question your boy Matt Nagy even more. But anyways, enough of Jesper Horstead talk. We're not going to be talking about things that aren't important on this podcast. It's very important. <laughs> That is that is the soul of this podcast this right now. This is about now. to be the Sam and Joe show only. Can we Get just mute, you said? Can we just mute him? Uh, no, you can't because I'm the host, which means technically I could kick you out. Also, uh, you can edit this audio yourself and put it up on Omni Studio too. So, But anyways, oh, moving on to... Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> boo-hoo, boo-hoo. Your feelings right, are no so jokes, hurt. Content. Let's get into it. All right. So, anyways, on tax, some actual relevant Bears talk, not just like undrafted free agent tight ends. One of which is good on the Packers. The other one who's been with the Tony has been with the Packers since 2018 as an undrafted 2019 as an undrafted free agent. He's been good. Like what has Jesper Horstead done? I don't know. But the Bears, right, decided to finally show up on Sunday or semi show up because the no one really wanted to play with Andy Dalton in at quarterback. And then all of a sudden you get the offense. I mean, they had a 20 point explosion. And the reason I say it's an explosion is because if you're the bears and you've watched Matt Nagy over the last two seasons, you know that this team, anytime it scores 20 points and has three drop touchdowns in the end zone, like that right there can be considered any sort of sign of progress. But Sam, I'm going to go over to you on this one. Listen, 
you obviously caught parts of the game, but you caught some game or some parts of the game where Justin Fields was playing. Do you think the Bears showed any signs of progress at all on offense? Because that's ultimately the big question moving forward with a lot of young talent being on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I mean, yes and no. I think our first seri- couple of series looked really good. Obviously, scoring on the first series was a big deal. And I definitely agree, like, there was definitely missed opportunities. Um, like, the drop pass, Malin Robinson, it's definitely frustrating. Um, you probably put the Bengals away sooner if you convert on one of those. I mean, with Fields, I think it was kind of hard to tell. I-, I think he struggled a little bit, which I'm fine with. I mean... I didn't need him to come out there and light it up for five touchdowns or whatever. I mean, he made his mistakes and those are the rookie, you know, pains of becoming an NFL quarterback. Um, I mean, I like the balance with the run game. I think the use of Dave Montgomery is strong. You know, they throw in Dave, uh, Damian Williams to kind of mix it up a little bit. Um, I'll let Joe kind of t- uh, address the offensive tackles a little bit more, but I think our offensive line, there's moments of brilliance and there are moments of like, Yikes. Um, in terms of overall progress, um, it's getting there. I, I wouldn't say I've seen huge strides. I mean, this is an offense that's averaging 17 points a game. Uh, I think I did that math right. And that's not great. It's week two, so I understand that. But you're going up against a team next weekend that's averaging like 31 points a game uh, in the Cleveland or yeah, Cleveland Browns. So Yes, I definitely think there's some signs of growth. Um, I think I tweeted about this, but a guy like Darnell Mooney, for example, um, his his usage and his um, stats are going up a little bit once Fields got into the game. So I could see a guy like him really taking a big step forward. I think I was just a little bit disappointed that we couldn't get into the end zone a little bit more. And again, some of it was individual mistakes, but overall you know, mistakes don't lead to touchdowns and that's what the bears need to be able to do on offense at some point with or without fields. Um, so I th- would say baby steps at most. For sure. And the other thing too, is seven of those points on Sunday came from a Roquan Smith pick six. So can't all say that offense looked super well, regardless, the offensive line, like Sam said, looked really good. The offensive tackles look spectacular. Uh, that was probably Jason Peters looked like vintage Jason Peters right there, the way he was playing. Uh, he, I, if I'm not mistaken, he played the entire game. I don't, I didn't see anybody else come in that I'm, that I might have looked away or something. Someone might have played one play, but he looked to play the entire game and he looked good. Uh, there was one play that kind of went a little viral on Twitter where there was nobody that rushed on his side, so he absolutely just lit up the dude who was on Cody Whitehair and leveled him. So it's just I love a guy that is always looking to find action attack when we had a guy like Leno who isn't willing to do that. He's more of just trying to kind of protect himself. So I love that Peters is always going to find action. And Jermaine Ifedi, as I said before the season started, I really expected a big step from him. And he's one of the highest graded offensive tackles right now in the NFL. So I'm very happy with the way they're performing. And just kind of touch on their offense in general with fields. He did kind of hold on to the ball a little too long. That was kind of his rookie mistake, I would say. So I feel like he's going to take a little more anticipation this next game and kind of just let it rip. I know there was one highlight of play. I believe he took a sack on it where he went to go throw and he kind of pump faked and hesitated and then ended up taking a sack. And that was kind of a big regret of his. So really looking forward to see him kind of develop chemistry this week with these wide receivers. As you could tell, that was a little bit off. He missed Mooney a few times, uh, throwing it barely ahead of him. So if he gets that chemistry, with these wide receivers, this offense can be dangerous with the way he's taking those deep shots. 
Yeah, I think the chemistry is something that a lot of people realize is just going to come when Justin does consistently get reps with the first team. But I will say this regarding Justin Fields' ball placement. When you look at some of those passes, like the one throw down the sideline, okay, so that's something that he put. That's a ball that he put only where Allen Robinson could catch it. It's just Allen Robinson, unfortunately, missed time when he was supposed to be catching the football and it slipped right through his hands, which again, that type of stuff happens, but Hey, that's probably considering all the quarterbacks that Allen Robinson's had to play with in his career, the most perfectly placed ball that he's ever gotten. And then you look at the other touchdown attempt to a Rob as well. That was just a really good play by Chidobia Wuzier to break it up at the last second. And then you look at, I think it was a shallow crosser to Darnell Mooney, or it might've been a deep crossing route, but that was something that Justin pretty much placed that ball perfectly too. It's just Mooney couldn't come down with it. So ultimately you look at it. I mean, we saw a bit of, I want to say wrinkles, that existed, but it was still a solid performance nonetheless. And then you also look at, we've highlighted on this show multiple times, hey, Justin Fields is a quarterback that's got excellent pocket presence, great mobility, being a player who I think runs a 4-4-40 yard dash, and then also just having the instincts to be able to feel the pressure. That was on display. I mean, you look at the fourth quarter, the one of the final plays of the game, I think it was third and nine, and Justin just ran for 10 yards right there, picking up the first down. So that there speaks to, speaks to his ability to kind of feel the pressure and then get out of the pocket. Now, I do think that in terms of the offense, okay, this was so... If you guys remember that week one game, let's flash all the way back to the 2019 season when everyone thought Mitch Trubisky was going to take that next big step. And some of the national media outlets like Bleacher reported too. If you remember the first three games of the 2019 season, what happened? The Bears couldn't get anything going against Green Bay. They could not get anything going against Denver on the road. Actually had the lead by like 10 points, blew it, and then won on an Eddie Panario field goal. And then they go into Washington on Monday night, and they absolutely obliterate. They beat the Washington football team, which was at the time called the Washington Redskins, put up like 28 points in the first half. And so the reason I bring that up is because this second game has kind of similar feels to that third game in Washington in 2019 in terms of, okay, it wasn't a perfect performance by any means. Did it blow anyone out of the water? Absolutely not. Now, no performance is ever going to be perfect, but it still was a bit of a step in the right direction. Now, what will happen this time is as we kind of look ahead to Cleveland here before we get to the defensive side of the balls, it's just going to be about being able to consistently stack good performances for the Matt Nagy and the rest of the Bears to finally say, hey, we are an offense first team. We're not defense first. Yeah, and the only thing I'll really add is is you think about what Fields now brings to the offense. You know, that that fumble recover he has, I call it the the hungry, hungry hippo fumble recovery, where he breached his arm out and snagged it back. The athleticism that he had on that that conversion to basically ice the game. And again, ultimately his ability to throw the ball down the field. You said it perfectly, it's gonna come down to the chemistry of that. The Browns defense have let up a lot of really big plays to some offensive weapons the past two weeks. And I think that that can happen again with the Bears if Matt Nagy allows Fields to take those shots downfield. A week in practice with guys like Mooney and Robinson, I think that's a complete possibility. And if you torch this Browns defense once and you are able to use that to score right away, 
you know for sure that you're going to be able to open up a lot more possibilities on offense. And I think that's something that the Bears need to be able to do at least a few times. I was watching the Packers-Lions game uh, last night, and the Packers ended up running away with it. But something something that I admire a lot about Matt LaFleur is that Packers come out on their first series, and Aaron Rodgers just throws a bomb. Doesn't get it, but immediately opens up the Lions' defense. I, I wish the Bears would do something like that more. And if they do that against Cleveland this Sunday – even if it's once or twice, I think you can open up that Browns defense and force them to have to guard us deep because fields can get that ball out to them. And again, we saw it with the past Allen Robinson, and I don't think he was expecting to be able to have a ball in the place where he should get that ball on that pass. Now still should have caught it. You're a guy who wants to make $20 million a year. You got to make that play, but that's something that I'm really, really excited about with the potential of this offense under Justin Fields. With this offense under Justin Fields, if we can execute within the 20-yard line, we're going to put up some major points. Like we saw Al Robinson's drop, J- Jimmy Graham missing that crucial block on that, uh, I believe was a, a read option from Justin Fields where he went to run it to the left side of the field. Jimmy Graham missed a wide open block. And then we saw Mooney where the ball hit his fingertips in the end zone. Like if we start executing in the end zone, which I know this is the classic Matt Nagy, which we've never been able to do. So if we can do that, if Nagy somehow figures it out with Fields to do that, this offense is going to be virtually unstoppable. Yeah, so what I'll say is this, and this just goes back to, now I have to go back and actually watch the All-22 view of the game to get an idea of kind of what different personnel packages the Bears were running and what were the different formations. But I will say this, I mean, the play calling in this game wasn't terrible, there was times where you go back and you look at it, and I think this goes for any game, and Matt Nagy kind of admitted this himself in his post-game presser. He's like, hey, look, I do think that there were four or five or even six plays that we would like to have back. Obviously, nothing's going to be perfect, but I will say, I mean, you saw in this game, because Justin got extended playing time, just shades of kind of what would what the offense could kind of develop into or would eventually be or is going to be when Justin Fields does take over as the full-time starter because there is Justin Fields, I think, first or second snap. Now, you saw a lot of vertical passing concepts that were being run. I think there was one formation where it was a three-by-one set. You had Mooney, Robinson, Goodwin lined up on one side of the formation, and I think that it was David Montgomery or might have been Demir Bird on the left side of the formation. And all of a sudden, you know, anytime you're going to see Mooney, Robinson, Goodwin lined up, what's going to happen is, especially in a three-by-one trips formation, it is going to be something where it's going to be a vertical passing concept. You saw a comeback route that Marquise Goodwin was running. That was another vertical passing concept. And irrespective of fields, I mean, the Bears did try to dial up some horizontal to vertical shots here too. I think there was what the 41-yard reception that David Montgomery had where he was pretty much running out to the slot and Andy Dalton gets him the ball in space. And then what happens, it gets negated because one of the offensive linemen, I think it was Jason Peters got called for a holding penalty. So this game, I think was a good test to kind of get an idea of, all right, what can a legitimately vertical passing offense look like? Also, Joe, I don't know if you observe this or not, but I did not see a lot of like jet sweeps or just horizontal plays on offense. Yeah, Yeah, no, I mean, I remember we we saw kind of like uh, pitches to the outside, but I really didn't see any like designed stupid plays. I know there was one play on the first drive that was kind of stupid with Andy Dalton. I can't remember what it was. Um, I remember it was some cute play that I got 
annoyed about as usual, but there was no, like nothing like that with Justin Fields that I saw at least. Obviously there was RPOs to the outside, but that's not really like a designed, like, um, like just sweep, like you were saying, or that stupid shovel pass, nothing like that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we saw a lot more vertical um, attacks in contrary to horizontal attacks, a lot of shots downfield um, and a lot more opening up this offense. And I mean, as we saw it, I believe Justin Fields now has the third highest intended air yards per attempt in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. I know it was top five. Um, and uh, shockingly, Davis Mills is number one. But Justin Fields is up there because he's been airing it out. He's been throwing it. So his offense already just looks different. I, I think with a full week of preparation, we're going to see a lot less of those plays trying to get people into space and more Justin throwing people downfield. I mean, ultimately, it comes down to uh, Dalton's health and Matt Nagy's love affair with him that he clearly is having because I think every other person in the Chicago area and in the country thinks that Justin Fields should be playing. And I don't like that it had to come down to injury. I would have rather it would have just come down to the fact that he's the better option for us. But um, I'm glad Dalton's okay, but... Unless Fields is really, really bad, which I don't think is going to happen, I don't see a reason why he should not be starting the rest of the year. I don't. All right, so Sam, since you brought it up, let's kind of jump around the outline here. But Matt Nagy has his post-game presser on – well, he had his post-game presser on Sunday, had another press conference on Monday because per NFL rules, coaches are kind of required to speak – Used to be four times a week. Now it's three times a week with players speaking on Tuesday and coordinators and assistants speaking on Thursday. But let me ask you guys this. Matt, after his postgame presser on Monday, has the press conference, then goes ahead and sends someone from Bears PR back into the room. I know the exact name of the person. I'm not going to disclose that. Straight up says, hey, per Matt Nagy, Andy Dalton is still the starting quarterback when healthy, which is basically Matt Nagy's way of saying, quit asking me who the starting quarterback is going to be because it's going to be Andy Dalton going forward. It's not going to be Justin. So that means that if whatever is going on behind the scenes at Hallis Hall, we know what's going on. We know that Matt Nagy's basically said, there's this plan that's going to be in place. There's this plan that's going to be, Justin's going to sit the whole year. He's going to be Patrick Mahomes. And Andy Dalton's going to be Alex Smith here. Andy's going to play every single game, which we know isn't feasible now. Listen, guys, circumstances, situations, and plans change. And plans change depending on situations and circumstances. Joe, let me go to you on this one. What's going on here that our listeners need to know, especially when Matt Nagy, every time he's talked about Justin Fields, has been so excited about him? This is Fields teams now, so that's I'm just going to put that out there, my opinion, that I kind of hinted towards a prediction uh, last week that when I, I already had been hearing rumors of Fields getting more plays on offense in week two uh, against the Bengals before the game started, and then I kind of quote tweeted that and said that it's this is Fields team either week three or week four. It's going to be early on. So I think this kind of was just a transition of kind of faster transition into getting fields to become the starter. But I just really truly think this is a fields team. I think Nagy just doesn't want to explicitly say it. I think he's going to think Nagy's going to kind of wait it out to kind of quote unquote, let fields prove it, which he will. So I don't think fields is letting go of this job. I think if Dalton is out at least two weeks, which he's supposed to be out two to three weeks, if, if fields plays against the Browns who have been getting lit up, I mean, they allowed Tyrod Taylor to go 11 of 12 and one half on them for 125 yards and two total touchdowns. So if they allow Tyrod Taylor to do that to them, 
I can imagine that Fields can do pretty well against them. And then Fields goes against the Lions. So not too worried about Fields not looking good. Obviously, Nagy can only do so much, but I'm really hoping that this is Fields' teams now for sure. I mean, I tweeted about this, but but Fields is a is a pawn in Nagy's elaborate chess game. I am sure that if Matt Nagy felt like he had more job security, he would play Justin Fields right away. I, I feel like this is one of those things, and I don't want to try to get into like the speculation of it, but but in, in all honesty, I can't think of another reason why you would continue to try to say that Dalton is the starting quarterback when you know that Fields is your better option. And I think ultimately it's it's one of those situations that we've talked about where it's like, well, the longer that he doesn't have to play Fields, you know, the more that he can kind of use him at the end of the year and evaluation be like, listen, I need another year with this guy. And I think that part of that might or may or not be true, but I think ultimately I feel like Nagy's trying to do something smart here, but I think the way he's approaching it is very dumb. I mean, it's very tough. Like it's one thing if you're like the San Francisco 49ers, right? And you have a situation where Trey Lance could be the guy in the next couple of years, but your team so far is playing pretty well and you have in essence, a Super Bowl roster and if Lance can figure it out in the next couple of years, you know, a guy like Kyle Shanahan, who probably has a little bit more job security, doesn't really feel a, a pressing need to play Trey Lance. Uh, you look at the other quarterback situations and, and you, you see how the rookies are playing and, and how they're different situations. The Bears, in my mind, don't have that Super Bowl caliber roster. And I certainly don't think Dalton elevates this roster any more than like Mitch Trubisky would have. So it's it's one of those things where I feel like Nagy is playing the smart, knowing that he's probably going to get at least another year with Fields, but he doesn't want to. It's like his secret weapon. That's the best way I could say it. He doesn't want to use him yet. He wants to kind of keep him in his back pocket, throw him out for a few plays and be like, oh, you don't know what this guy's going to do once he's my starter. And it's definitely frustrating because ultimately you look at the Bears outlook for the season I mean, I think 10 wins is is a very positive mindset, but this is a tough schedule the Bears have. And I mean, the defense looked a lot better last weekend and stuff, but, you know, there's definitely going to be those moments where the Bears of old are going to show up again and we need to mentally prepare for that. Why not play the guy is kind of my thought, and it's always been my thought. Ultimately, to kind of wrap this up, I do think that Nagy is trying to just do the right thing. I know he's got immense pressure on him to showcase something. He was brought in to fix this offense, and I think it's safe to say that he hasn't done that yet. And he now finally has his guy, and it's not Andy Dalton. It should be Justin Fields. I think he's trying to do the right thing. I think his execution of it makes him look like an idiot, but uh, I don't know what you can say at this point. I mean, you literally can't play Dalton this weekend. You don't have another choice. Like Justin Fields is going to have to play for the Bears on Sunday. And if he plays well and you bench him, you're doing a Tua Fitzpatrick situation and you will ruin the, the development and the synchronicity of Justin Fields. And I don't want that to happen. Well, let me add this on. Number one, there's no way you're playing one-legged Andy Dalton against a defensive line that has names like Sheldon Richardson, Jadavian Clowney, and then the biggest one of all, Miles Garrett. There's just no way the Bears are going to be doing that. I mean, it makes more sense, actually, 
to roll out Justin Fields because of his mobility, not just because Fields is a rookie and is QB1 and has a higher ceiling than Trevor Lawrence for those of us that actually can watch football and know how to scout stuff. Side note, Urban Meyer and the Jags are going to ruin Trevor Lawrence and he's not going to live up to the generational hype that was coming out because some of us actually know football. We're not like all these draft Twitter scouts that just sit there and are like, oh, well, the ESPN and the national media guys, they have a first round grade on Trevor Lawrence. So I'm going to have him be QB one as well. And it's like, yeah, Trevor was QB one in college, but then you look at what he did at Clemson. You look at where Clemson is now Clemson six getting back on point. What Matt's doing here is this is being stubborn and stingy and continuously doubling and tripling down and quadrupling down on Andy Dalton being the starters completely fine because again, I think a lot of bears fans are failing to understand is that do we see it with Justin Fields physically yet? Yeah. Do we see the football player that's there, the phenomenal athlete, the physical freak of nature that has drawn comparisons to guys like Dak Prescott, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, 110%. We see that. But where a lot of young quarterbacks really tend to lack is the mental side of the game. And I think that a lot of fans seemingly forget that who was another quarterback, guys, that was a great athlete, had all the talent in the world, but unfortunately just didn't really have it up here or we thought he had it. And Sam, I see the look on your face because you know I'm going to say Mitch Trubisky. It was Mitch Trubisky. And so, Sam, you also alluded to earlier, hey, your situation matters. I mean, you look at some of the best quarterbacks in the league over the last couple seasons. You look at Patrick Mahomes, who, again, is the poster for kind of how to develop an NFL quarterback. Now, the issue with Patrick Mahomes is that he walked into the most perfect situation you could possibly walk into. And effectively what happened is that sped up expectations for every quarterback. Now situation and circumstances are different because supposedly thanks to Patrick Mahomes, if your quarterback's not an MVP in year two and hasn't tossed 50 touchdowns, then he's a complete bust. But my point is this, is that like, look at some of the best QBs around the league over the last couple of years, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, um, you could even, I'll throw, what's his name, Kyler Murray in there too, although Kyler was a one-year, well, Kyler started from his very first game in Arizona and has been the starter for the last three seasons. My point necessarily, and then you could throw Justin Herbert in there too because Herbert was on the game for one bench, but my point is this, is that some of these guys have had time to sit, they've been and it's really benefited them. Now, obviously, you know, this kind of goes back to the stuff that Schefter was saying on ESPN about, oh, well, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, they all sat. But then you also look at it for every single player that did sit. There's also a couple examples. Take like a Peyton Manning or you could even throw an Eli Manning in there who, despite the fact that a lot of people hate on Eli Manning, the guy won two Super Bowls, something that Mr. Aaron Rodgers hasn't even accomplished in his career, just throwing that fact out there. And so the point is, it's like Matt being the bears right now, their situation and circumstance, it's kind of best that they do sit fields, but then also fields is immensely talented. He is one of those quarterbacks that has done so much at the college level that you would have to have a really bad situation to ruin him. And so there's no right or wrong answer here when it comes to Matt Nagy's like love affair with Andy Dalton. It's just like Justin's going to play when it's his time to play. And I wrote this on Fireside Bears. And I'm going to write, say it again on the podcast for those of you that didn't read my article is that 
you're playing the Browns this week, which has the potential to be an upset game. And we'll get to that game in a couple of minutes here after we discuss the Bears defense in week two. And then you're playing the Lions in week four. And then after that, you're on the road against the Raiders in week five. And then week six, you've got the Packers coming to town. And so that's four games right there that even if the Bears go two and two with Justin Fields, hey, that's still going to be progress because this year is not about necessarily winning every single game. Although you should try and win every game. It's also about the development of this young talent. And so if the Bears win on Sunday and then the Bears win against Detroit. Hey, all of a sudden you're looking up and Justin Fields has led the bears to basically a three and one record and three of the bears wins. He's been responsible for. So it's going to be very hard. Like you mentioned, Sam, to even go back to Andy Dalton and then getting away from Justin here indirectly. I mean, the defense seemed to play with so much more juice and energy Mm. when Justin was in the game compared to when Andy Dalton was in the game. Joe, did you notice that at all? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we just saw the turnovers just piling on when when Justin Fields was in. I don't remember if all three interceptions were like. I believe that was all when Fields was in. If I'm not mistaken, um, I don't remember completely off the top of my head. But the defense was playing with just complete awesome energy out there. Obviously, they gave up that little comeback at the end. Um, one of it was a one of those touchdowns was a very bad splash play that it just seemed like it was a miscommunication between Kendall Vildor and. Eddie Jackson, so I'm not too upset about that one. And the other one was honestly caused by Fields where he threw that bad interception let up, and that basically led to a touchdown on the ne- next play. So the defense did look like they played a lot better, though. They played with a lot of energy. They were stopping basically everything outside of a few, like, boom plays. I, I agree completely. They looked awesome. I mean, I definitely think it was one of those situations where I don't put the Bengals on the same platform as the Rams. But you needed that bounce back win and you you needed the defense to play like they did. I mean, Jalen Johnson, holy smokes, the dude can play ball. I mean, he is so much fun to watch. I actually think Kendall Vildor played really good. Um, Vildor, excuse me. Um, I think both our corners played pretty solid, but Johnson was all over the place. Um, I mean, hang on. I have like the the written total stats, but, but before I bring those up, I mean, this is what Sean decides defense can do. I mean, this is how he schemes it. A perfect blend of zone coverages and aggressiveness, rushing four guys, allowing players like Bilal Nichols, Robert Quinn to to get sacks and to get tackles for loss. The Bears had three interceptions, a forced fumble, four sacks, six tackles for loss, and nine quarterback hits in that game on Sunday. I don't think we win the game if we're not able to do at least a third of that. And, And that kind of momentum swing... I mean, Roquan's pick six pretty much iced the game, in my opinion. Once we got that, the entire game was in the Bears' control for the most part. I know we let up a lot of points towards the end, but I I have to give a lot of credit to the defense. I got to give a lot of credit to Sean Desai. It it was a hell of a performance. It really was. And I said this on our YouTube game preview, which we record on Thursdays, drop on Friday mornings with our other guy, Max Smith, our other content creator here at Fireside Bears. And I said, I was just like, if this, if the, for the Bears defense, if they're going to get that bad taste out of their mouth after that week one performance, this is the game to do so. And now, like I said, from here on out, like the offense, defense has got to do the same. You got to keep stacking up consistent performances. Now, when you look at the defense, I mean, Robert Quinn finally earned all $70 million that he signed for on the dotted line free agency in 2020 by having the one sack and Quinn was not terrible in this game, but 
he was pretty okay. I mean, if he gets a sack pretty much, it's progress at this point. If he's around the ball and he's able to bring a guy down, it is progress. And then you look at, okay, Khalil Mack also got going. Now, Mack had, I think, like four to five pressures, which is way better than last week. 50% of it is because the Bengals don't have an offensive line. The other 50% of it is because it is Khalil Mack and he's still immensely talented. I know everyone talks about how, oh, well, Khalil Mack really didn't do much against the Rams in week one. But I think people are also forgetting that the Rams are incredibly talented. Anytime you have a roster that has a star defensive player of its own, the offensive coach is going to make it a point of emphasis to slow down the defensive players. So the Rams have Aaron Donald on the roster. Sean McVay's going to make it a point because he knows how much a great pass rusher and a great defensive lineman can kind of slow down the opposing offense. So Sean McVay naturally is all week. Like, no, you need to know where number 52 is. And so Khalil Mack really got going this game. I thought the front seven looked pretty solid. You look at that second level. Hey, Alec Ogletree wasn't necessarily bad, but again, the star of this middle linebacking group is and always will be Roquan Smith. If you watch the Roquan Smith interception, let me break it down for you. It was an example of Roquan Smith essentially knowing where the ball was at all times because he was in a QB spy right there, had his eye on the Bengals playmaker. I think it was the tight end CJ Azuma. And then all of a sudden also had his eyes on Joe Burrow out of the corner of his eyes and read and diagnosed the play perfectly. And then boom, picked it off and took it to the house. And how about that speed that stuck out? I mean, we've seen Roquan Smith make this exact same play. In the past, he did so in that Eagles playoff loss in 2019, but then the play got called back because he was ruled down, but here he takes it to the house. The point is, is that the great middle linebackers in this league, take a Ray Lewis, a Luke Keekley, a Bobby Wagner, Brian Erlacher, you could add on Zach Thomas. All those guys, some of them are still playing. Some of them are still retired. But the great middle linebackers are able to go ahead and diagnose and read plays before plays are actually made. And that's exactly what Roquan Smith did there. So he's continuing to ascend and develop into one of the best, but also one of the most underrated middle linebackers in the NFL because he's not going to get the love that a guy like a Tremaine Edmonds or Darius Leonard or... What's the guy on the um yeah the Seahawks Bobby Wagner's going to get and then you look at the back end hey secondary there were some miscommunications. There are some times where you absolutely wanted to take your TV remote and just throw it at the window or scream at the top of your lungs. But Eddie Jackson redeemed himself, okay? Had a tackle and a forced fumble, which then led to some points for the Bears, so that was good. Deshaun Gibson wasn't overly terrible. Jalen Johnson, you're right. I mean, I think Jalen Johnson is next in line on this Bears roster to kind of be the guy that was a day two or a day three pick but then all of a sudden is emerging into a star. And then, yeah, your cornerbacks, Kendall Wilder, Duke Shelley, you guys had your bright moments, but it still wasn't enough to justify possibly holding down a position the entire season. Now, with that said, Wilder was good. He wasn't great. Shelley was above average or just average. Go ahead, Joe. You want me to go first? You looked like you wanted to say something. (laughs) I just wanted to, I just wanted to add that Sean Desai made some huge adjustments from the first game to the second game. We saw all, first of all, we saw Duke Shelley over Marquis Christian, which I'm not sure why Duke Shelley missed the first game. I don't know if that ever got released as to why I never saw an injury report, nothing, but he definitely outplayed Marquis Christian, which isn't saying much. Christian was God awful, but we also saw a lot, a lot of, nickel regardless we saw a lot i think duke shelley was on the field for like over 85 percent of the snaps 
And then we also saw a lot of DeAndre Houston Carson. I know DeAndre Houston Carson only played one snap in the Rams game as like a, as in a dime package. And he played, I believe over 50% of the snaps in the game against the Bengals. So we saw a very, very good adjustment on DeSize Park to go to a more diamond nickel um, defense to counter the passing attack of the Bengals. Now, obviously he didn't do that against the Rams and it exposed us. Our, our passing defense was horrendous because we saw a lot more linebackers in there and D linemen. We saw um, the defensive linemen getting a lot more snaps than they should have. We saw a lot of four-man fronts against the Bengals and additional defensive backs, and that helped out greatly. So Desai made those great adjustments, and I'm really happy with how the defense looked because of that. And it made everybody else look better outside of just like the obvious. Eddie Jackson obviously improved. But like you were saying, Kendall Vildor looked a lot better in that game. And it wasn't like he made any splash plays. He just played better. He played with more discipline. He seemed like he knew he was doing better. Same goes for Duke Shelley. Same, I mean, Jalen Johnson obviously is elite now. I believe he's like a, I believe he's a top ten corner playing at this level right now. So I was very impressed overall. The defense looked outstanding. And I think what's important now is you got to carry that momentum in the next Sunday. I think with the Browns, with their wide receiver situation, and we know who they have at running back, you know that you got some pieces on this defense, and you're getting both Mario Edwards Jr. and potentially Eddie Goldman back for this Sunday, two guys who are key in both the pass rush but also stopping the run. I mean, if the Bears defense can play like they did last Sunday and they're able to contain the run a little bit better and prevent Nick Chubb from from doing what he does. I mean, they held Joe Mixon to under 100 rushing yards on Sunday. If they can even replicate a third of that with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, there's no doubt in my mind that they can slow this Browns offense down. It's not going to be an easy task for sure, but you're going into a week where the Browns are going to maybe potentially be without both Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know if Beckham Jr.'s status has been officially stated whether he's playing or not. I know Baker's banged up too. I mean, this is a huge swing opportunity for the Bears defense to continue to show how good it is, especially against the Browns offense that's dinged up a little bit. Yeah, and Jay, you mentioned playing a lot of nickel. I mean, look, basic nickel in football is essentially, and at the NFL level, because Vic Fangio kind of has run a very similar scheme because Sean Desai was mentored by Vic Fangio for four seasons from 2015 to 2018 when Desai was a a quality control assistant, something like that. But basic nickels, 4-2-5, okay? That means you have five defensive backs, you have two linebackers, and then you have four down linemen. Now, I've got the snap counts pulled up in front of me. I did look at them on Tuesday morning too, but you look at these snaps – What's weird is this. So you have players like, and this just speaks to defensive philosophy and how game plans can shift and change week to week, depending on the opponent. But the four starting defensive backs, that's Tashawn Gibson, Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson, and then Kendall Wilder. They all played 100% of snaps. You have Duke Shelley, who you mentioned played 87% of snaps. But what I think is really interesting is that Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks. So Mack played 78% of snaps. Um, Hicks played 75. You had Robert Quinn right around 70%. And so the point is, I think, is that the Bears are getting slowly and slowly to a point where they're realizing, okay, it is a pass first league. We're going to have to be playing more nickel. And in some cases, you could argue dime packages when needed if we're going to slow a lot of these opposing offenses down. And the reason that the Bears went and played so much nickel and went with basically a nickel-heavy defense is because ultimately the Bengals have a really good trio of wide receivers and Jamar Chase, 
Tyler Boyd as well as T. Higgins. And hey, let's just be real. I mean, any of those three right now would be starting on any NFL team. Joe, I'm going to let you go again. I mean, that's kind of all I have to say. I, I know, as you were saying, you said just the, the nickel was huge in that game, and I I don't think we'll see as much nickel against the Browns, to be honest, because like you were saying, Sam, those wide receivers are very banged up. Um, we're going to need uh, – maybe we'll see a few – an extra safety in there maybe because they might go a lot of heavy tight end set because um, they have those three very solid receiving tight ends. So it would be very nice to – be able to cover those guys. I know they got Harrison Bryant, who's solid. They got uh, David Njoku, who's a freak athlete. Uh, he obviously hasn't broken out completely, but he can break break out a big catch and run at any time. And then they have Austin Hooper, who's one of the highest paid tight ends in the league. So they're going to use their running backs and tight ends a lot. So we might not see as much dime as we did against the Bengals, but we'll definitely see some nickel just just because alone the safety might be in instead of uh, instead of Duke Shelley to cover those tight ends. Yeah, I think ultimately it's it's going to be interesting to see how Desai schemes against this Browns offense. I think Kevin Stefanski is a very, very good head coach. I think what he's done with the Browns is fantastic. And I think ultimately the Browns are still going to have weapons. I don't want to ever get into a situation where it's like, oh, they're missing guys. This should be easier. I don't think it ever is because if you have a good head coach and you know that your quarterback can still make plays and and I think I know a lot of people are out on Baker. I still think he's a good NFL quarterback. Not great, but I think he's good. Um, I mean, they still got a couple weapons in terms of wide receivers. I definitely agree that they're going to run probably a lot of heavy tight end sets. And and Nick Chubb is poised every week to potentially rush for 200 yards. I mean, he is a phenomenal running back, probably one of the best in the league right now. So by no means is this going to be an easy task, but a, a, a win where the defense was playing well last Sunday helps carry into your next week for sure. And, and I'm very excited to see what Desai has schemed up um, because this is a good Browns offense. I'm very excited for it. Yeah, I tweeted this today. I'm going to bring it back on the podcast is that I think a win Sunday against the Browns changes the trajectory and outlook of your whole season because all of a sudden what you've said and done there is, hey, we are able to hang with a team that was only a couple plays away from the AFC championship game and also hung with the Chiefs. And right now, if you look at a majority of the AFC teams on the Bears schedule, I mean, take Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cleveland, as well as Pittsburgh, and then the Raiders too. Lots of people would odds are end up picking against the Bears and probably say the Bears are going to go one and four or even zero and five against all those AFC teams. But listen, I mean... It is going to be an interesting game against the Browns because Cleveland has been so run heavy over the last, well, last season they were so run heavy with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb that the Bears are just going to have to stop the um, run in this game, which means the Browns are going to try and open up the passing offense. And without Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, who went on injured reserve Tuesday morning, there's a possibility the Browns are without their top two targets, which means those heavy tight end sets are really going to come into play. And the Bears are going to have to counter that on the defensive side of the ball by bringing in guys like Roquan Smith and Eddie Jackson, asking them to go ahead and cover tight ends, even Alec Ogletree. But hey, listen, there's a weekly set segment we do on this thing each week called Herf's Hot Sakes. Last week, Joe kind of bragged 
and said that Eddie Jackson was going to have, well, not Eddie Jackson, but he was going to have an interception or a forced fumble and that the Bears defense were going to force three turnovers. Joe, let's hear your hot take for this week. Well, first, I I actually did accidentally say that Joe Burrow would throw three picks. So the, the accidental hot take was pretty crazy accurate. But then I changed the three turnovers with Eddie Jackson creating one of them. So regardless, still correct. But uh, my hot take for this game is that um, the first part isn't really a hot take. Uh, Justin Fields starts. Um, obviously, I don't think Andy Dalton's healthy. So I think Fields gets the nod. And then Justin Fields throws for 270 yards, two touchdowns, and then a rushing touchdown, and we get the win. I hope you're right. You know what? Actually, wait. I denied you last week, and it worked. I think that's a terrible take. Yeah, horrible. And definitely, okay, so the reason I say 270 is, well, um, it's how I actually found the hilarious uh, pro football reference um, accolade for Mitch Trubisky that they they notified that he is an MVP under his stats. I thought that was hilarious, first of all. But I was looking up his stats to see the most yards he threw for in a game last season, and I just was going to say Fields is going to beat it in his first try. And the most Mitch Trubisky threw for in a game last year was 267 yards. So that's why the number 270 comes up. All right. Uh, I think it's a terrible, terrible, horrible, awful take. Agreed. Wink. Agreed. I honestly thought my take last week was horrible too, so I'm, I'm totally down for this horrible take as well. Terrible, awful. <laughs> what did you want me to like rename the segment and just get the graphic remade Herb's horrible takes? Yeah, because then, then it'll come true. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're one and zero on on me calling out your takes, so we're gonna just roll with that. Uh-huh. We're also one and zero since I got the Jesper Horstead jersey. So, of course, you had to touch on that. I love it though. Uh, I'm not superstitious, but we're a little stitious on this podcast. Just yeah, we're gonna continue. Obviously, we're gonna go ahead and continue to remain stitious on it. I mean, look, I like the hot take. I just think that overall, yeah, this game's gonna allow. This is really so okay, Matt mentioned this in the presser he's like oh yeah justin did phenomenal for the situation that he was put in which obviously it's never easy to come in and be a backup and then all of a sudden have to basically play a game on the fly even though it is your job i mean i think we have to keep in mind is that the bears basically spent the whole week prepping with andy dalton with the expectation that dalton would play because you're always gonna go for best case scenario but then it's always next man up i'm gonna say this i think that this is the first time when the bears do return to practice on wednesday thursday friday at house hall that we're gonna see justin fields get reps with the ones that means that you will see a lot of different concept concepts you're gonna see kind of a different scheme being run so joe i have to ask you this um give me significance of sunday's game against the browns what do you think this is a start of so for starters obviously it's going to be huge for sean Desai, like i said to see how he adjusted a complete 180 of offensive scheme we saw the aerial attack of the Cincinnati bengals with their awesome wide receivers to potentially no wide receivers on the browns and their heavy tight end usage and running back usage with kareem hunt and nick chubb so this will be huge for sean Desai to adjust to this completely different scheme on offense and to the heavy play action set with Baker Mayfield. And then on the other side, obviously the biggest significance of all is Justin Fields to see how he does in his first official NFL start when he gets it and to see how different the bears scheme is. And just to see like, obviously we're not gonna see the full potential of this offense yet because it's his first game to show his chance, but we're definitely going to get a glimpse of what this offense could look like with his deep shots and uh, the way he throws wide receivers open and his just the, the beautiful ball he throws every time out with his cannon of an arm and his accuracy. And I'm just interested to see how these higher offense looks with fields. I, 
we could definitely get a glimpse of what the future could look like. Yeah, I definitely don't think you can take this from the perspective of, oh, how's the outlook of the season? Because remember, the Bears were 5-1 and one last year and then lost five, six games in a row. So you never know. And I think ultimately there's going to be some games this year that I, I have very low expectations for for the Bears, and one of those was against the Rams. But I, I truly do think that if Justin Fields is able to come into his first full start and beat the Cleveland Browns, who by no means are a team that will roll over easily but are definitely beatable, it is definitely the start of something new and something beautiful in Chicago. I said this about the bears on this podcast. God, it must've been two, three months ago. Imagine if the offense took a step forward and the defense took a step back, right? You know, the bears can never have both go. It's either one or the other, but how fun would it be to watch a bears offense that could average 30 points a game? I would take that if it meant the bears defense took a step back. And I do think this bears defense can still play, but, I want to be able to see this offense win his games, not defense. And I truly think that if fields can come in and I'm not expecting him to light it up and throw for 500 yards, but like, I don't think 270 is completely unrealistic. I truly think he has what's capable. I do think a lot of it's going to be, is he going to get a full week of practice with the ones? What is Nagy going to scheme for him? And how much does Nagy trust fields to just let the ball fly? I think a lot of things that happened with Mitch was a lot of distrust in his abilities I want Nagy to just let Fields air that thing out. And I truly do think that if he is able to win this game with the offense, this is a Bears offense that could be lethal in the next couple of years. Well, for me, the significance comes down to this and Sam, you alluded to a bit as, hey, now that Matt Nagy's own hand-picked quarterback is in there, it's like, what type of offense are we going to see? What type of scheme are we going to see run? Because you know that now with different quarterback in there, one that's more explosive compared to guys like Dalton, Foles, and Trubisky, you are going to see some play calls that you've never seen before. You're going to see some personnel packages and some formations that you may have never seen before. You need to get your vertical passing offense fully going in this game. That means that shy away from some of the 11 person, I'm sorry, shy away from the 12 personnel, which is one running back, two tight end, shy away from the 13 personnel that were seemingly run at times in 2019, which those tight end heavy packages don't work if you don't have good tight ends. And right now, Cole Komet, I mean, guys like Cole Komet, J.P. Holtz, and then Jimmy Graham, they are above average at best. I still have high hopes for Cole Komet, but again, he hasn't necessarily been everything that a lot of Bears fans kind of hyped him up to be. But with that said, he can still have a pretty solid second season and then possibly have a breakout year. But the point is, is you need to run more 11 personnel. That means that Darnell Mooney, Marquise Goodwin, Demir Bird, Allen Robinson, you need to get your speed on the field. I think that Allen Robinson is a player that needs to be moved around all over the field. Put him in the slot, put him as your X receiver, put him as your Z receiver, if you need to just continue to move Allen Robinson all over the field. And then the other side, I think comes down to this is, Hey, your running game, can your running game, despite going up against a really good Browns front four that features David Clowney and Miles Garrett, can your running game get going? Hey, David Montgomery, you had 20 carries for 61 yards, just a week after having, I think it was like 16 carries for like 160 yards. 
can you get David Montgomery going in such a way and can he get going in such a way where the Browns are not going to have an answer for him? Because when you look at this Browns defense right now, do they have a really good secondary? Yeah. Do they have a really good front four? Yeah. When you look at that linebacking crew, I mean, is there really a name that you look at and you're like, okay, that's a player that legitimately scares me. That's a player that you're going to have to game plan against. Not really. There isn't really a strong player like a Roquan Smith or a Tremaine Edmonds on the second level in terms of a middle linebacker that is going to be someone that the Bears are going to have to account for on every play. I mean, they have Jeremiah Owosu-Koroma, the rookie from Notre Dame, but that's also a player that plays in the slot, is basically like a hybrid player is what he is at this point. Which, side note, I love Owosu-Koroma. I did want the Bears to draft him because having that hybrid player in this defense would be absolutely lethal. But the point is, is that this is a game where you kind of get away from a lot of the stuff that's protected the quarterback over the last couple of years. And then you start just letting the quarterback cut it loose. And Hey, listen, I'm fine. If the bears roll into Cleveland on Sunday, and let's just say they end up losing like 34 to, I don't know, 17 or something. And they get obliterated by 17 points and Justin Fields, whatever throws, one or two interceptions because I know it's going to be a learning curve. If it happens with Andy Dalton, I'm going to be like, all right, what's going on here? Some sort of chain needs to be made, but because it's Justin Fields, they are going to be rookie mistakes for the most part. But again, it's still a really good opportunity to get away from protecting the QB and then moving towards just letting Justin play loose or cutting Justin loose and just letting him play freely. Yeah, I mean, as long as he doesn't throw four interceptions like his fellow rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, I think if he struggles a little bit, I won't be super concerned about that. And I do think in all honesty, I think this is going to be a very good football game. I think the Bears can win this football game. I have a lot of confidence, especially if Fields is going to start, which I do truly think he is. I don't think Dalton's going to play. I'm excited because I think the Browns are a beatable team 100%. It's not going to be easy, but I think this is a winnable game. 100%. And the toughest part's going to come really down to coaching. Like like I've said before on this podcast, Kevin Stefanski is an absolute unbelievable coach. It does not matter who's out there on his offense. He will make his offense look good. Um, you see guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones look solid. He, he's had uh, Demetric Felton, a rookie running back who was playing slot wide receiver for them, had a huge uh, screenplay for a touchdown in their offense on Sunday. I'm Again, we can't think they're going to be a pushover just because possibly Odell and Jarvis Landry are out. They still have a ton of weapons. He's still a great coach, and they still have a solid defense on paper. So, yeah, like you were saying, it's going to be a very good game, and I'm very excited to watch it as long as Justin Fields doesn't disappoint, which, again, he will make mistakes, but I just don't want it to be depressing. That's all. Don't throw four picks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah don't do that. I don't know how Jets fans feel right now, but I feel for you because that was sad to watch. Oh, yeah, and Trevor Lawrence does not look the prettiest either. I'm pretty sure he has the highest rate of uncatchable balls in the NFL. So Yeah, not a great start for either of them, but I don't uh-huh. think Justin's going to do that. I truly have faith in him. I, I agree. I agree as well. All right, so since you guys brought the rookie quarterbacks up, we're going to have discuss them for a bit before we give our score predictions for Bears-Browns. But let me just add one more point on here. Overall, the Browns are a team that you look at and – they did have a talented roster the first couple of years of the Baker Mayfield era. You're talking 2018, 2019. There was, a, especially 2019, when they had Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, it was not a bad roster. They just, the problem was that there was a bad coaching staff there as well as a bad front office. And the Browns, I think, are the biggest example 
or the biggest and most recent example of how a good coaching staff and a really good front office can kind of change fortunes of a team because great teams are built on the heels of great coaching staffs and great front offices working together and collaborating on every single thing and then players being on the same page as well. But I want to say this, look, it's been two weeks. We're going into week three now. You had five rookie quarterbacks drafted in the first round. So Trevor Lawrence, I feel bad for the guy because, again, every single coach on that Jacksonville staff is a coach that's been successful at the college level. They have not necessarily been successful at the NFL level. There's not really a single guy on there. I think besides, believe it's Brian Schottenheimer, the offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach that has extensive experience in the NFL. I mean, Urban Meyer is great for college, but Urban Meyer can't do it in the NFL. Urban, if you guys remember all about 14, 15 years ago, Nick Saban was kind of the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Now he was, so bad at the NFL level, but he's built a couple phenomenal programs in college. And then you look at the Jets. So Robert Sala, look, I love Robert Sala coming out of San Francisco as a head coaching candidate. I thought he was a phenomenal defensive coordinator. Does he have what it takes to manage an entire football team? I don't know. When you are going up there and you are saying stuff like, oh yeah, well, Zach's right where he needs to be. We thought Zach did pretty decent even after a four-interception day. I mean, some of those interceptions were just clear overthrows, which is just mistiming, bad anticipation, bad accuracy is what some of those were, as well as sloppy footwork and mechanics. And then again, it's jury's too early on all these quarterbacks, but then Trey Lance for the packages that he's been using, a lot of the zone read package in San Francisco's look good. Mac Jones is going to look good because the Patriots are the Patriots and Bill Belichick's going to do whatever Bill Belichick needs to, to make Mac Jones look good. I know that Mac Jones has drawn comparisons to guys like Tom Brady and Matt Ryan. I see him being more of a Matt Ryan light than I see him being even remotely close to anything that Tom Brady is. But I think, Mac was also underrated in the sense that I never wanted him for the Bears, but I also did say, hey, he is does have above average arm strength. He is a player that is not a physical freak of nature like a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance. If you're going to talk about who's QB3 in the 2021 NFL draft, but he is a really smart and instinctive player. But Joe, I'm going to bounce to you. Give me your thoughts on these five quarterbacks real quick. You got to touch on a super wild. I- I think the biggest thing for these quarterbacks is really going to be the situation that they got into. And it's going to be very hard for guys like Trevor Lance and Zach Wilson to succeed. I don't know that I trust the offensive coordinator of the Jets. I, I'm almost positive it's LaFleur, if I remember correctly, his brother. And I don't think he's had the chance to really develop a quarterback himself. So I'm, it's, very, it's going to be very tough for him to fit there, especially if they're running an offense similar to San Francisco. I don't think Wilson really fits that scheme personally. I feel like he fits more of a spread scheme, um, kind of airing the ball, kind of like Justin Fields is fit for. And then with Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he's got a pretty solid uh, group of weapons there. He's got DJ Shark. He's got Marvin Jones. Doesn't have a tight end because they cut Tim Tebow, sadly. But <laughs> he, does have, he does have James Robinson in the backfield as well. So, and they have LaVisca Chenault, who is a very solid young wide receiver. I just think that's a very good crew overall in terms of weapons and a decent offensive line. But like you said, you said the coaching staff is just not impressive at all. So I'm, I just don't think he has the best chance. And Trey Lance, I think he's going to develop and do a great quarterback. I think they're treating the situation perfectly. 
they are sitting him like us Bears fans are crying about field sitting, which roughly so we should be. But Trey Lance definitely does need a city's making that jump from FCS to the NFL. He has a solid quarterback in front of him who led his team to a Super Bowl, regardless of how, regardless of Shanahan carrying him or not. He still made a Super Bowl. He still threw for 4,000, some hundred, some hundred yards or whatever, and looks solid at times. So, and he's also due for an injury. Like he always gets hurt. So, we're going to see Lance probably this year start a game or two. So, I think honestly, Lance and Fields are the best situation to succeed. I think Jones can be a solid starter, much like Kirk Cousins or like a Baker Mayfield is right now, just a solid starter who gets it done but doesn't do anything crazy to win you games. Uh, I honestly think still, as I've said, I think Justin Fields is the highest ceiling of all of them, along with Trey Lance. A jury's out of Zach Wilson for me. He was it was out during the draft. I, I think he is is not going to have a good NFL career. I think a part of that is absolutely situation, but I don't think the kid has it. I mean, I, I think he when he was at BYU, he won games against teams that weren't that good and struggled against teams that were better than them. I I just I, the jury's out for me. I, I'm out on Zach Wilson. Um, I think there's not really a whole lot else I can add on everyone else. Another rookie quarterback though that we're not talking about is uh, Houston rookie uh, Davis Mills who will be making his first full start on Thursday night. I'm excited to watch that. Mills was a guy that I wanted the Bears to go after in the second or third round of the draft. This was before the hope of getting Justin Fields actually came to fruition. I I really liked Mills as a project quarterback. I'm excited to see what he can do in Houston. I I thought he looked okay last weekend. I mean, I think it was a limited amount of reps, but he did throw a touchdown, I think, in his first series, which is impressive. Um and I'm excited to see what he can do. I mean, he's definitely got some okay weapons in like Brandon Cooks, Mark Ingram. Uh, I think they have Nico Collins from Michigan as well. I'm excited to watch him play too. I know he's not in the above five that you guys mentioned, but in all honesty, I don't really have anything else to add. I think we have the best of the bunch, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm willing to put my word on that. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to watch my rookie quarterback play, but that's another rookie quarterback I'm excited to watch as well. And they have former Bears wide receiver Anthony Miller as well there in Houston. Ah, so I was going to mention that. That was what I was about to say. Yeah, this is this is downhill. <laughs> this is how you know we've got great chemistry when we're literally thinking without actually thinking what each other's thinking, but without actually being in the same room. No, I think you know you bring up a great point with Zach Wilson. Sorry, never mind. Sorry. Sorry. Go. Oh my God, Stevenson! What are we gonna do with you? And I haven't responded to your text. <laughs> what, what you said was a complete muffled jumble of words. I'm like, what are you saying? No, we're thinking. No, I. Basically, what I said, and see, Herf is giving me a thumbs up because he's smart enough to understand. No, I'm giving it to Sam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're. Oh my God. Okay. So oh. Oh. we're thinking the same stuff. We know oh. our podcast, our chemistry as co-host is really good because we're pretty oh, much rude. thinking about the same stuff. So we know each other too well, which means we know what each other are thinking yeah. <laughs> without actually being in the same room and reading minds. Oh, there you go. That makes more sense. Okay. Why is the jersey off? I'm exactly. sweating. I'm sweating. Okay. Well, would it be a pro- you wouldn't be sweating? Well, now that's how that, that's so disrespectful to Jesper Horstead, dude. You're like wiping your damn face with his jersey. That's disrespectful. I, yeah, at least I didn't. At least I didn't say we should cut him. So your words invalid. 
Yeah, I don't think the mic got that, so ha ha ha. But anyway, no, my point with Zach Wilson is this, before we give our score predictions, is that Zach Wilson's going to be the Mitch Trubisky of this draft class. He's going to be a guy that essentially was a big one-year wonder. A lot of people had labeled as high upside, okay? A lot of people looked at him and was like, oh my god, he can kind of make those cross-body throws. He's able to do kind of all this stuff, you know, he's a phenomenal athlete, really smart player, and he's going to get to the NFL level and completely just, you know, flame out because the Jets situation, I don't know what it is, but Joe Douglas is going to be fired pretty soon. It's just not an ideal situation. Something needs to change with the Jets. I don't know what it is. On the other side, though, I had a scorching hot take. I said to someone this week that you could take, who's a Giants fan, by the way, you could take Bryce Young from Alabama. Right now, the 19-year-old starting quarterback for Bama plug him into the Giants offense and he would be better than Daniel Jones. And people absolutely looked at me and were like, Oh no, you're crazy. But then I also think that when you talk quarterbacks, you talk about upside. And so naturally a guy like Bryce young has a much higher ceiling than let's be honest, Daniel Jones is probably ever going to have, I mean, I'm confident in my take. So I'm going to throw that out there. What do you think Joe? Cause I saw you making a face. I'm not opposed. That's all I'll say for now. I, I, I haven't watched enough Bryce Young film because I haven't I haven't really been getting into college film much, and I'm not really diving into quarterback film as much. Obviously, since we have the quarterback of our future, but I'm not. I don't know enough about Bryce Young to be able to make to disagree. I do know that Daniel Jones is horrendous with the ball in his hand when it comes to turning the ball over. So I, I can't say I'm opposed, and I can't say I'm for it. I just I, I would have to watch more Bryce Young film before I made a a, a like. Valuable take, I guess. I think Daniel Jones stinks, so I, I think mm-hmm. anyone would be better than him. I, I'm sorry. I've been out on Daniel Jones since he got drafted. I, I don't think he's a good quarterback. But, hey, you got two first-round picks. You can go and get your quarterback of the future next draft. Uh, Too bad. One of them is 32 overall. Sucks. <sighs> Tough. True. Okay, last point I'm going to make here about these quarterbacks before we give our score predictions is last season throughout the draft, I mean, everyone was – or. Last year, you know, we had college football on throughout the pre-draft process. The questions lingered about Alabama quarterbacks, Mac, guys like Mac Jones, Tua Tagovailoa. And especially it was more prevalent for Mac Jones than it was for Tua Tagovailoa. Everyone was kind of like, okay, is it the talent around this guy that makes him so good? Or is this guy legitimately that talented? I think that when you have an Alabama offense, and again, nearly every single player from that offense over the last two seasons, besides offensive tackle, Evan Neal has turned pro and Evan Neal is going to make the jump to the NFL in 2022. I think as will John Mechie Jr. The third, the wide receiver. When you look at it, I think Bryce Young this year has proven that Alabama keeps on churning. And at this point, it's not the system that they're running. It's just, they're a football factory and they're phenomenal when it comes to developing talent. They're System is literally being a football factory. So ultimately, you know, I would seriously, dude, I haven't watched Bryce Young myself. I know people that cover him down at Alabama, including our good friend, Joe Gaithier, who has the Believe in Monsters podcast with our guys, Chris Krogman and Lucas Berry. I will say this much. I do think that you could take Bryce Young right now and based on his upside and intangibles, plug him into an NFL offense and he probably would end up being pretty solid. But enough of non-Bears QB talk. Joe, give me a score prediction for this game and make sure you predict the score, right? Because that's what you've pretty much done the last two weeks. So there's no room for error here, buddy. Yeah, so um, 31 Bears, 24 Browns. I think the Bears offense gets going. 
I think Justin Fields, like I said, accounts for three total touchdowns, two passing, one rushing. And I think David Montgomery gets a rushing touchdown as well. I think Cairo Santos is consistent as ever, nails a field goal. And I think the Bears off, I think the Bears defense plays well, obviously limiting that Browns rushing attack to 24 points. And they're obviously their tight ends and possibly old elf he plays, which rumors are that he should be playing. If they limit that offense to 24 points, that is a top tier offense in the NFL, regardless of no Jarvis Landry. That would be an awesome game. And I, that kind of is a hot take too. I guess you kind of tied it into my hot take because I don't think many people are thinking the Bears could put up that many points ever, unless they're playing the Lions like last year or the Texans. So I really think it could happen if Fields plays the ability I think he does. So I don't know. How, what do you guys think? What's your score predictions? Mine's very close to yours. Uh, I do think this is going to be a more high score game, and I do think the Bears offense can take a step. But I have uh, Bears 24, Browns 21. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than uh, than yours, but I do agree. I think that this offense can put up more than 17 points a game. Uh, I'm not expecting 30 right away. I, I think that the, that is something that we could save for week four when we play the Lions um, and Fields has a, a game under his belt. But uh, no, I, I definitely think that this is going to be a close one. I, I think the Bears defense is going to continue to make plays. They're not perfect. And this Browns offense is good enough to put points on the board. But I, I truly do think that Fields is going to be able to have a solid start. I don't think he's going to throw for a lot, but I think he's going to throw at least one touchdown, maybe a rushing touchdown. I agree with the Dave Montgomery take. I think he's going to have a good game, um, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. But I think ultimately, I think this is a Bears game that they can win. So give me Bears 24, Browns 21. I'm going to say this is a Darnell Mooney, Allen Robinson breakout game where we've always seen that these two have the potential to develop into one of the best wide receiver duos in the NFL, especially now that they have a quarterback throwing to them. So I'm going to go with Bears 28, Browns 21. I do think that Cleveland's going to put up a fight. The Bears have just shown that they're a tough, scrappy team that is going to figure out ways to stay in games every single week, but then also win ugly and not necessarily lose pretty, all right? Or win pretty, lose ugly. I don't know. The Bears are always just going to win ugly. So give me Bears 28, Browns 21. I do think that Mooney Robinson are going to have really solid outings. I could also see Cole Komet finally finding the end zone for his first touchdown in 2021. You look at that defensive side of the ball, I do think that once the Bears pass rush gets going, they are going to continue to get after Baker Mayfield. Let's be honest. Pressure is the biggest thing that's kept Baker Mayfield from continuing to elevate the Browns because good front sevens have gotten after Baker Mayfield consistently. And ultimately, what has happened is Baker's just kind of been all over the place and he's struggled and he's looked like the Baker Mayfield that we saw during the 2019 season, which was just an erratic quarterback that was kind of all over the place compared to the more refined Baker Mayfield that we've seen in 2020 and then through the first two games of 2021. But I think, guys, that's going to do it from us. So make sure you're following us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Make sure you're following myself, Joe, and Sam on Twitter at Usaid Koshal, at Chai Sports Sam, and at Joseph Herf NFL. Catch or check out our sponsor audacia sports go get your justin fields and your bear stickers they have a really cool peanut punch sticker pack as well that you're probably going to want to buy if eddie jackson has another peanut punch this week but good morning good evening and good night wherever you may be have a great rest of your week folks and always remember stay safe and bear down peace out guys bear down <laughs> <laughs>